Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, part of Rooted's family of podcasts. In this episode, we'll sit down with Scott Sauls, who is the pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He's the husband of Patty and the father of two daughters, and Scott is a longtime friend of Rooted. Scott spoke at the 2017 Dallas Conference, and his church hosted the 2018 conference there in Nashville. And we are so excited to be sitting down with Scott today. Scott, welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Good being with you, Davis. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's so good to sit down with you. I'd love to hear just a little bit about what's new in your life. You know, you you spoke at the 2017 Dallas Conference, and in 2018, we got to see you as, as your church served as the host site. And then in 2019, we missed you at our Chicago conference. Um, so I'd love to get I'd love to get caught up a little bit on what has been going on in your life uh, for the past 18 months or so. Well, you know, the last two or three months have been um, way different than the months before, or, or any month uh, that, that 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 I've been alive with COVID-19 and all that goes along with that, like. Uh, you know, closing church doors and moving all ministry online and so on. So it's it's been a it's been a crazy time of adjustment for us, as I'm sure it has for you and others who are in any kind of ministry, and that includes uh, certainly student ministry and ministry among parents. Everybody's in this sort of social distancing mode, but um, you know, as a church, we still are moving forward with some some things that have been in our plans and prayers for quite some time now. And the most recent development is that we have uh, hired a pastor named Micah Edmondson. Uh, Micah is an African-American pastor, been serving in the Grand Rapids area for the last several years, uh, pastoring a church that he planted called New City Fellowship. But Micah just joined our our team, uh, and we'll be planting and pastoring our uh, fourth Christ Presbyterian location uh, somewhere in the city of Nashville, and his effort's going to have a an explicitly cross-cultural emphasis, and our hope is that we won't just have a cross-cultural uh, congregation in our, in our network of congregations, but that Uh, There'll be a ripple effect into all of our congregations and also out into the city of Nashville, uh, which is, uh, as I'm told, the fifth most diverse city uh, in terms of people groups in the United States of America. And so there's a lot of work to do. Uh, There's a lot of history uh, with segregation and racial and uh, other differences and and we want to be part of uh, part of a reconciliation and justice effort here through the planting of churches and so that's our most recent development uh, and I guess since we last talked we also planted a new congregation under the leadership of Russ Ramsey who I think that some of your people have some overlap with yeah maybe absolutely. through TGC or, or other you know uh, shared uh, you know, movements or spaces, but Russ, Russ planted in the Franklin Cool Springs area for us. And so um, that happened, uh, I think, since the last time I saw you guys. So those are the 
two new developments on the church front, and then as far as family goes, both of our daughters are seniors this year. They're finishing their senior years, one in high school, one in college, uh, homeschooling <laughs> because of COVID-19. So For sure. They're not incredibly thrilled about that, but <laughs> but but they'll still get diplomas and and get to move forward. So so yeah, that's a that's a brief update. For, Those are exciting for things. Um, I'd love to have three additional podcast interviews with you. One about church multiplication, and one about cross cultural ministry, and one about uh, how to be Christian and also be at home with your kids. So. Huh. I'll, all three of those, I feel like, would be helpful. Um, well, at least, the last one, it helps when they're older. <laughs> For sure. Uh, that's that's incredible. Well, awesome to hear. Um, and one of the reasons that we're speaking to you is, is another ministry update in your life is you are preparing to release a brand new book called A Gentle yes. Answer. Tell us just a little that bit about, about that book and, and what has led you um, to write now. So, um, well, I've been writing books for a few years now. This is actually my fifth project, uh, my fifth fifth published project. And uh, this one's called A Gentle Answer. The subtitle is Our Secret Weapon. Secret Weapon is in quotes, uh, in an age of us against them. And uh, it it plays off of Proverbs 15.1 that says, A gentle answer turns away wrath and... Uh, you know, I, I, I look at the culture we're in and at how easily triggered everybody is uh, or seems to be by so many different things. And, um, you know, this new dynamic that we call cancel culture has emerged where people are canceling each other out on social media and um, in other, you know, ways to... Uh, make the point that I am not pleased with you, I am against you, I don't like you, I'm not for you. And and I think there's more and more of that uh, happening, especially as political conversations get heated up, uh, as, you know, the, the race conversations and the gender conversations, when those conversations aren't stewarded well, um, uh, they can just lead to all kinds of pain. And so, a gentle answer is sort of a clarion call, especially to people who identify as Christians, that maybe this kind of climate is is our opportunity to uh, live out and demonstrate what the Apostle Paul called a more excellent way that's built on love, um, that doesn't sacrifice truth by any means, that doesn't sideline uh, righteous, more righteous forms of, of anger and more righteous forms of being upset with what's wrong in the world. Uh, but that's always driven by love as we, you know, seek solutions to those problems. And so, so book's eight chapters, and it, you know, it starts with three chapters that, um, you know, from different angles help us understand um, the gentleness of Christ toward us, which is really the basis and the oxygen that we need uh, in order to become uh, gentle, meek, humble in heart kinds of people ourselves. And so, so that's sort of the the broad overview. Yeah, well, thank you for writing. You said this is your fifth project. Am I correct? Did I hear you correctly there? Yes, it is. Fifth project. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for taking time to write now a, a fifth book. Um, as I, you know, we're recording this conversation in May of 2020, and already on social media and TV networks, uh, I just sense 
outrage and hostility and name calling and shaming with respect even just to different opinions on how best to move forward as a society in relation to the coronavirus. And uh, I'm dreading uh, in many ways as we head into the fall and specifically as we near November to our presidential term election. Um, I just know that that's going to be amplified. So I think this is a timely book. Do you have any sense on why outrage and just sort of lack of human decency, lack of civility are such problems in our day and age? Have you been able in the course of writing this book to kind of put a finger on maybe this is one of the root causes of, of why we're seeing these divisions and outrage? Uh, it's been a problem in every age, Davis. I, I think it's just, uh, you know, we have our own manifestation of it, but it started all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Eden when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and their immediate impulse was to start to shift blame and take it out on someone else. Uh, Eve took it out on the serpent. I suppose that's acceptable to take certain things out on Satan. Uh, but, but then uh, Adam took it out on Eve and then Adam took it out on God uh, because of the woman that God gave to her. And, um, you know, the rest was history. Cain kills Abel uh, a couple of chapters or one chapter after that. And, um, you know, it's been wars and rumors of wars ever since. And uh, I, th I think the probably the best summation verse of what um, some have called the natural religion of the human heart, which is self-righteousness. Um, Luke 18 verse 9 describes self-righteousness, or you could call it ugly fundamentalism. And this, there's a religious uh, version of it, and there's a non-religious version of it. There's a conservative virgin, version of it. There is a liberal version of it. Uh, everybody who has these dynamics going on in their lives is the worst kind of fundamentalist. Hmm. And it says, to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on other people with contempt, Jesus told a parable. So those two things, uh, seeing yourself as righteous or thinking that you're right and insisting and demanding that you're right, or maybe demanding your rights and looking down on others with contempt, especially those who see or experience the world differently than you do. And so I think, I think the problem is as old as time. Uh, it's just, it's coming out in, in unique ways and it's amplified because of the ubiquity of social media and the bullying that can happen on social, social media, the, the unhealthy forms of argumentation that can happen uh, on social media, um, hashtag movements that are designed more to shame and scold than they are to uh, create solutions around problems that are in the world. And so, um, you know, you call it the prophetic spirit gone bad. Um, you know, when, when, a, when a good impulse, you know, you see something wrong with the world, uh, turns into a toxic impulse when you think that the problem with the world is always other people. Uh, mm. and, and, and there's no real, real time to evaluate the person in the mirror. Mm. And that's, uh, I think that's helpful to note. I appreciated what you said about social media and hashtag movements amplifying the problem, but not being the cause of the problem that the cause of the problem is, is, uh, 
the fundamental religion of the human heart, I think is what you call it, self-righteousness, ugly fundamentalism. Um, thanks for helping us understand that. And I tell you what, the world of social media and hashtag movements, that's certainly not a world that's exclusive to teenagers, but that is the world that 90% or more of our teenagers are living in. And so I'm trying to put back my youth pastor hat on from the time that I was serving in youth ministry and um, seeing, as I did in 2016 with our students, different levels of outrage and kind of name calling and defensiveness and trying to start the conversation was difficult. And one of the reasons it was difficult was because we would talk about sort of tone and lovingness and gentleness. And inevitably, uh, one of our teenagers would say, well, Jesus went into the marketplace and flipped tables. He had righteous anger, so why can't I have righteous anger? For, for someone like me, uh, several years ago, or for a youth minister, for a parent of teenagers now, how do you go about starting the conversation with a teenager to differentiate between what is outrage and then what is Christ-like righteous anger? Yeah, I was, was going to say, you, you can have outrage like Jesus, but the question is, is your outrage like Jesus? <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's the important question to ask. You know, the Bible in the Psalms and also in the book of Ephesians um, you know, some of our English translations say, in your anger, do not sin. But the, the literal translation in both instances is be angry and do not sin uh, in your anger. Uh, it's actually a command to be angry. There are actually occasions when Christians should get angry. We should get angry when uh, a person or group of people is being bullied. We should get angry uh, at poverty. We should get angry at death. We should be angry at the coronavirus and all of the horrible things that uh, are um, happening to the world and the human race because of the coronavirus, to the economy. We should be angry about that. We should be angry um, that people are getting sick and dying, right? Because that anger is actually uh, a, a resemblance of God's anger. I remember when Jesus uh, was at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, who had died. And it says that two things happened. Jesus wept, and it said that he got angry. Uh, you know, again, the English translations, they say he was deeply moved in spirit, but you go to the original Greek language, it's, it, it basically says he was mad as a hornet. Uh, at death. And, you know, you mentioned the flipping tables in the temple. Well, you got to ask, what was, what was Jesus angry at? He was angry because people were prostituting the temple. And they were turning the temple into a place to make money uh, instead of worship God. They were taking a good thing and they were repurposing it in, in a way that, um, uh, that diminished the purpose of, of the temple. And, and so, so anger is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about this, I think, in Mere Christianity, where he says Christianity is a fighting religion. Hmm. Christianity sees things that are wrong in the world and fights to, to set those things right. And, and that's not a direct quote. It's a, it's, a, it's a paraphrase. But he did say, you know, verbatim, Christianity is a fighting religion. But... Um, you know, Christ, part of, part of the impulse 
that Christ had when he came to save us was his anger at sin and death because sin and death destroys human beings created in his image in his image it, it, you know sin and death destroy people that he loves and so he gets angry at sin and death so that he can direct his anger away from the people that he loves and and so so yeah anger anger can be a good thing uh, and and I think the the key is to you know always be asking ourselves what am I angry at and why you know, angry, anger is this destructive force, right? It's like fire. Fire can be used for really good things. It warms up a room. It cooks bacteria out of food and makes, you know, food delicious. Um, it keeps a house warm in the cold winter. Um, you know, you cook marshmallows over it. creates an incredible ambiance around a fire pit or a candle. Uh, Fire also destroys things that it destroys trash. Like a lot of ways, one of the ways that people dispose of trash is they burn it. And so fire is used for some good things, but if it's taken out of its context, uh, it can really hurt and scar and, and even kill. Uh, and, and so you've got to ask yourself, what is your anger desiring to attack? And if, if, if I want to attack something that is evil in order to protect something or someone that is good. Um, that's one thing. But, but if I want to attack uh, in order to protect, say, uh, an idol, something that I worship, something that, um, that I love too much because I've turned it into an ultimate thing instead of just a thing. Like for instance, when I was a teenager, I would get angry uh, any time and every time uh, one of my parents said no to me. Um, and, and I got angry because I was protecting my independence. I loved my independence before I was able to be independent. See, bef mm. and, and, and I couldn't afford to be independent. I was still dependent on my parents, and yet I wanted to act like I had more independence and was entitled to more independence than I was. And, you know, their answer was, well, when you're out on your own, you can make your own decisions about this or that, about curfews or about, um, you know, whether or not you can smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol, right? <laughs> not, not that those were necessarily issues when I was a teenager, but, but whatever the issue is, um, we've got to ask ourselves, what are we trying to protect? What are we trying to defend? And um, if it's a self-centered thing we're trying to protect and defend, our anger is probably not righteous. Uh, if, it's, if we're trying to protect or defend something or someone uh, that's good and that's beautiful and that's true uh, or that's vulnerable, uh, then it probably is righteous anger. Hmm. I think that question that you asked was so helpful for me even to process anger of what am I angry at and why am I feeling this way? That, that sort of stop and pause and to consider that such a helpful guide. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. And obviously by the fact that we've got you on our podcast today, we're, we're a huge fan of your past writings and we're very excited about the release of this upcoming book. Could you remind us, by the way, of what the exact release date is of A Gentle Answer? 
June 2nd, but uh, as I understand it, it's available for those who want to pre-order it and get it right away as soon as it releases uh, at just about every online book place. Amazon, Excellent. Barnes & Noble, Christian Books, etc. Perfect. Um, I'd love to ask you this as well. Other than just simply processing the difference between you know outrage versus righteous indignation or righteous anger, when you think about teenagers and the mm-hmm. folks who care about teenagers, you know, parents and youth ministers and uh, folks who are laboring in the trenches as volunteer leaders in the church, um, how might what you've written in a gentle answer help our teenagers and the people who shepherd our teenagers? Um, embody the gentleness of Jesus, you know, before their friends, or to help teenagers um, learn the ways of, of gentleness. Give us a couple of, of things that you think this book's going to be really helpful for uh, in the back pocket of, of youth ministers. So I would say a couple of things there. Um, I, I do think, and I, I wrote the book, so it would be it would be accessible to teenagers and parents, but in different ways. I would actually recommend um, that parents read the book uh, maybe together with other parents and not with their kids. Hmm. Um, and you know, each chapter has questions at the end uh, to process, but they can, they can be very easily contextualized to the parenting experience and how we can lose gentleness and how we can lose humility of heart um, with our kids, with spouses, etc., and then kids, I think, I think, I think this one is is going to be better worked through with um, youth pastors, student leaders, um, you know, basically young adults who are a few years ahead of of the students in terms of their life in Christ and processing these sorts of things. And the reason why I say that is that if, if parents and students read it together and talk about it together, oftentimes the tendency is going to be to do the opposite of what the book is actually trying to encourage. And that is to say, well, my, my dad really needs to hear this, <laughs> or, mm. or our daughter really needs to hear this. Well, that's, that's not the point. The, the point is to look inward, uh, not to point the finger outward. And I think that's more easily done when we read a book like this with peers uh, and not so much the people that we're we're most prone to get the most frustrated with because we love them the most and they love us the most and we live on top of each other all the time, right? And so, um, but I I do believe that the book is best, um, it's best read together in groups um, and uh, if you don't like the book, uh, at the very least, it's got a really beautiful foreword written by Ray Ortland. I don't know how many of your listeners know who Ray is, but Ray is my predecessor here at Christ Presbyterian Church, and mm. he's somebody I look up to and esteem greatly as a man of God who's raised beautiful children who love the Lord, and and uh, he's been a great model in his own family context especially and also in in the church that he's you know planted and led in Acts 29 church much like you know the same same tribe as you sure uh sure um uh you know here called Emmanuel and he's he's just really modeled that sort of fierce gentleness um both at home and 
and and through his his ministry and and uh, you know all the folks at Emmanuel and really throughout Acts 29 would would attest to that. But Ray's you know graced me with a beautiful forward, and then and then there are basically two parts of the book. You know, one is the the gentleness that Jesus has for us. That's three chapters. He befriends the sinner in us. He reforms the Pharisee in us. And he disarms the cynic in us. And so once Jesus has dealt with us and we yield to him to deal with us uh, with his gentleness and humility and heart, that hopefully will create a posture that will enable us to start processing the hard work that it takes internally to become gentle people. Um, It might surprise some of your listeners to hear the chapter titles in that section. Um, Gentleness is the furthest thing from wimpy. Um, It's a very tough, tenacious thing to to become gentle. Um, It involves growing thicker skin, uh, doing anger well, like we talked about a minute ago, receiving criticism graciously, which is really hard for parents to do from (laughs) from their kids and for kids to do from their parents. Uh, We forgive all the way. That's also something that's sometimes hard to do in, in the family context and yet so necessary and so beautiful and life-giving when it happens. And we bless even our own betrayers. Um, and then there's a, there's a sort of a closing um, summary of how to move forward with all of this. But, but again, it's, it's, best, it's best read and processed with, with you know, one or more other people. Uh, and uh, as I understand it, their, their entire church staffs and entire congregations and parachurch ministries that are planning on going through the book together, uh, everyone, uh, in, in small groups. And, and so um, I, I hope people will use it that way just because discussing what you read, um, you know, and booting off the questions at the end of each chapter is, is one of the best ways to drill it in. You know, God wants us to grow primarily in community uh, and not in isolation. And this is an area where it's, it's a challenge to grow and we need other people around us to help us. I love it. I love it. I wish you could have seen the smile on my face as you were uh, speaking of of Ray Ortland. Um, yeah. Did not know that he preceded you at Christ Presbyterian. So helpful, helpful little tidbit for me. That's cool. I learned I learned a whole lot from Ray. Mm. Uh, that might take another podcast or two for me to tell you all that I've learned from. Well, him. we've already got three on the books already, so we gotta start, <laughs> we gotta start putting these, okay. gotta start scheduling <laughs> these out. Don't want to wear um, out my welcome. That's no, 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 uh, impossible, sir, impossible. Well, so looking forward to this book being released on June second. I'm excited for the ways that it will train um, those of us who love teenagers and are laboring to shepherd teenagers towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I'd love for you, and, and this is just sort of playing off of one of Rooted's five pillars, which is intergenerational integration. This idea that teenagers are not a separate species. Um, They may be in a different age and stage than some of the church's other members, but um, they are humans in God's image and should be part of the life of the church and serve and and also lead in areas of the church Um, and that we will benefit as teenagers are involved in every aspect of the life of the local church. I'd love for you, um, if this is something that you can speak to, to give us maybe a vision, some ideas of what it might look like for the church's teenagers 
to actually lead our churches in growing in Christ-like gentleness. And that can be just kind of in the immediate future of, of election season coming down the pipe, but also long-term what it would look like for, um, for teenagers to carry the torch, as it were, for seeing our churches as a whole grow more Christ-like in gentleness. Well, I mean, with the election coming up, I think one very practical application is to not badmouth uh, uh, our our president or or whoever might potentially replace him. Um, you know, politics. You know, political seasons and election seasons tend to sometimes bring out the worst in people and. There's just a lot of bad mouthing that goes on in a campaign season. Um, a lot of you know taking sides, a lot of us against them, posturing, a lot of you know the problem with the world is other people. Uh, and um, wh- what could it look like if if not only just a handful of Christians, but but a whole lot of Christians all over the place just refuse to enter into the fray of of all the um, the shouting and, and instead, um, steered conversations that they were part of, uh, toward more life-giving conversation. Uh, maybe what if we started there? What if, what if maybe even the gentle posture in the middle of a heated election year where nobody's happy with anything or with anyone? Um, what if, what if that was our opportunity to, establish our witness through uh, a more gentle, uh, conciliatory, bridge-building posture instead of picking a side. Um, I think it's a great opportunity that's being presented to, to people who identify as followers of Christ to, to be different, uh, to be what you know, some have called counterculture uh, by just being kind uh, in a world where kindness is really, really hard to come by. You know, I've, I've when I do interviews around the book, um, one person that keeps coming to mind is Mr. Rogers, mm. uh, who has enjoyed uh, sort of this new uh, uh, new popularity again. Sure. Uh, you know, Mr. Rogers did children's programs when I was a little kid, which was back in the dark ages. Uh, but but recently, there's been a documentary about his life that did really well, and also a blockbuster film uh, where Tom Hanks played Mr. Rogers. And there's just this sudden new interest in Mr. Rogers. And the, char- the, the, the dominant characteristic of Mr. Rogers is his gentleness. He was also a Presbyterian pastor like me, uh, which, which makes me happy because uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think very highly of him. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a reason why our culture is so attracted to somebody like Mr. Rogers right now. Um, because I think that, that our culture is tired of the shouting and the fighting and the posturing and the, you know, building communities around a common enemy. I, I, think, I, think, I think our culture is getting tired of that and maybe starting to thirst, not for a, you know, sharp pendulum swing that, that, that you know, doesn't call out bad or unhealthy things anymore, but 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 a gentleness that that can accompany that prophetic spirit, so we can actually get get some things done, and so that we can actually have a persuasive effect rather than just damning people or condemning mm. people. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. Awesome. That is a vision of the church and of what a youth ministry could look like within a church that excites me. Thanks for 
Thanks for painting that out for us. And for bringing it around to Mr. Rogers. Anytime we can <laughs> talk about Mr. Rogers, it's a win. All right. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Scott, thank you so much for taking time to sit down with us here on the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast. Uh, before I let you go, just wanted to make sure that there weren't any, um, any anything else, either about the book or about life in general, that you didn't want to share with our listeners before we let you go today. Uh, you know, they can find out all about the book at scottsauls.com and go to the book page. It's, you know, descriptions there. There's actually a free excerpt where they can they can uh, download the PDF. And, and I think what's included there is the table of contents, the endorsement, Ray Ortland's forward, uh, and the introduction to the book. Uh, so that can help people decide whether or not they want to move forward with the whole book. But uh, again, that's scottsalls.com, and they can just click on the books page um, and uh, go from there. But And uh, if you're ever in Nashville, free, feel free to stop by and Tell us hello after church is open again. Uh, we're Absolutely. Christ, Presby- Christ Presbyterian Church. Absolutely. Thank you. I would commend both of those opportunities to you listeners. Scott, once again, thank you so much um, for writing this fifth book and for also sitting down and having this conversation with us. My pleasure. And for you listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Rooted, my name is Davis Lacey. And for more resources designed to equip and encourage you to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to find Rooted on the web at www.rootedministry.com. This has been the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, and we'll see you again soon.